When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in Rose City to another edition of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. And Chris, uh, the clouds are out today, but um, we're, we're looking at a little bit more of a, a stretch of summer weather as we uh, as we continue into this beautiful month of July. So first of all, uh, it is long-standing policy of the Weather Made in Portland segment that cloudy, cool days uh, in the summer are basically like manna from heaven. Um, they are, they are like the platonic ideal of weather. Uh, and so we are like, we are living it right now. Like the, the ground was a little wet on my dog walk this morning. Uh, it was nice and cool. I had like a light jacket on. This is, it is, let me tell you, fat times in the Rose city. Uh, the sun unfortunately will return. Uh, and, and as, as you said, we'll, we'll heat things up a little bit, but from the universal perspective of this segment of this particular podcast this is this is it this is the moment uh that we've all been been waiting for uh and and i'm i'm relishing it no i i agree with you i think it's a nice little respite from the the normal heat of the summer which which oregonians crave until they get it and then they start complaining about it right yeah and like enjoy these times while while you can because you know i mean more often than not in the future we are going to be living in a parched hexscape Again, it's a family show. Yes, uh, a parched hexcape, hexcape <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that will uh, that will you know d- d- basically bring about the end of humankind. So uh, it is uh, it, it, like enjoy these moments while you can. Uh, it is beautiful out there. For the most part, I enjoy it. the The trouble is, my dog he's a labradoodle, right? So yeah. you'd think, okay, part labrador loves the water, right? No. He, ever since he was little, ever since he was a puppy, and he's a little over three years old now, anytime it's even remotely wet outside, he just gets so finicky about like walking on the grass and like really going out in the mornings. It, it's just bizarre. It's like you're a dog, man. Like, go around and like, I would honestly prefer it if he was like crazy and rolling around in the mud and, and the wet grass because then he'd be behaving like a normal dog, but he's so finicky. You know, I love him to death, but my God, man. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, probably needs to harden up a little bit there. Uh, I will say, though, Jerry is is, uh, my dog. Jerry is not one uh, for water. We uh, took him this last week, went out and did a hike uh, around Lost Lake uh, up sort of on the north side of Mount Hood um, and then went down to the lake to sort of put our our, our feet in the lake and, and all of that. And brought Jerry down to the lake. And like, you know, there were a decent number of boaters. So there were. You know, like the lake waves that you get where it's just sort of like gentle waves kind of lapping against the shore. It's actually kind of pleasant. Um, that was basically going on. And Jerry, uh, despite being a lot of lab, also just does not like the water. He's fine with it when it's wet outside, but he just he just hates water um, to the point where uh, he was like biting at the waves 
because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I was about to start to try to explain that conduct and I cannot, um, but yeah, he was like biting the waves and, uh, and yeah, so I, I, I get dogs, uh, and I, I have love for dogs who, who are not big fans of the water. Um, but, but that, I, I, I think your pup, that's another level. Yeah. Also a, a, a note for listeners. If, if you've never taken your dog to swim like their whole life and you're on a lake or you're in a boat or something and you think you can just kind of drop your dog in the water and they'll ma- miraculously know how to swim, it's not an <laughs> instinct. People's dogs drown all the time. It's like your dog doesn't know how to swim inherently. They have to learn when they're a puppy. So just just a note for the listeners there who who may be like, oh, just, you know, throw them in the water and, and see what happens. It's like, no, if, if yeah. they are afraid of water and have never swam before, that is not an area uh, under which you should uh, put them. I so. remember I got Jerry when he was about six months old and I took him to the coast shortly after I got him just to, you know, let him experience the beach for the first time. The beach, uh, beach trips, of course, being the Super Bowl for dogs. Um, and he loves the beach, <laughs> but like I walked, I walked with him up to the water to see how, how he would like it. And he was just like, immediately, no, I am out of here. We're done. And so, and that's basically been his attitude ever since. Like now he's at the point where he'll go into like a, a gentle, a gently flowing river, like up to his paws or so. And he'll like drink from it. Um, which is, which is helpful <laughs> for like taking him out for hikes and runs and stuff and stuff like that. Uh, but that is the absolute most. And he like, he basically looks at me like he's just the bravest boy in the world uh, after after he's he's gotten his little paws wet. Yeah. No, Porter is no fan of water either. Uh, uh, named after the beer or Terry? Beer. beer? Uh, but I guess Terry could also work. Uh, you know, I, I used to be a uh, a big dark beer guy. I've, I've kind of become more of a, a wine man as the years have gone oh. on. Uh, and, and, you know, he was born in wine country uh, down in Dundee, a breeder down oh, there. Nice. So uh, he in another existence his name might have been pino but um you know that that's just where my my current consumption is at that would have caused problems given that you now uh co-host a a thorns centric podcast there would have been phonetic issues there yeah there there would have been some people who are like are you like a closet like ol rain fan what's going on here like you gotta 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 i mean there's no way your true loyalties there's no way i could have i could have done this with you if that was the case (laughs) <laughs> especially that it's considering it's seattle week here yes uh, it is seattle timbers. week right yeah Revelry so there, there's your transition by Heineken or somebody else depending on you know what, what it is does nwsl have a sponsor for the for the rivalry week stuff i don't know if they do but just to be 100 percent clear heineken in no way sponsors this podcast yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> just don't want to don't want to toss brand names out there and give them uh, free advertising, even though we both just said their name uh, once each. And to be clear on uh, my perspective on that, quite poor beer. Moving on. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my I, personal uh, opinion. <laughs> I fully agree with you, but we—I don't know how uh, how safe we are in trashing specific brands in addition to giving promotion to specific brands. So, <laughs> but what if it's the same brand? What if in the, in, in, in one breath we say, we say, you know, they sponsor this week for the, for MLS stuff, but also we do not enjoy their product. Well, that's what we just did. So I know, might I as well, uh, <laughs> I, I might as well just, uh, sit on that one and, and let it be what it is, but it is rivalry week for the Timbers. They take on Seattle at one uh, thirty PM on Saturday, uh, broadcast on Fox. The Timbers coming off a 2-2 draw against Nashville. Uh, down two zip in that game. Came back. 
uh, and really showcased some some metal uh, being able to um, pull off a draw against a Nashville team that has been in some pretty strong form this season is a tough team to play at home, particularly with the uh, you know the humidity that you're going to have to face when when you go to that part of the country. Um, Eric Williamson mentioned it after the game that despite only having played 45 minutes, his shorts were literally soaked because of the humidity. Uh, brutal conditions to play in. Uh, and also really a difficult situation for the Timbers. I mean, you're down 2-0. Most of the time this season, that situation does not lend itself to a positive result for this Timbers team. In fact, they often have found themselves on the opposite end of a game like this, where they were the ones in the lead, uh, and they squandered it late to end up in a draw. So this is one of those opportunities to to pick up a point that um, I think were really positive for the Timbers. I thought you saw a lot from guys like Eric Williamson, especially Eric was superb in, in his substitution. Yeah. Uh, and he good came in for Yimmy, Yimmy Chara, who was pre- pretty tired. Yeah. Very good bounce back performance for Eric. And I think that his recent run of form has been great. Uh, Yaroslav Nizgoda, uh, for all the criticism that we have leveled at him uh, these last few games, I think he has, has done what he's needed to do. And, and that steal that led to the penalty, um, and then later scoring the goal uh, on the feed from Eric. Uh, I think that um, both of those plays were exactly what you want out of him. Uh, and and with Felipe Mora starting to work his way back to fitness, albeit slowly, good to see Yarrow, um, you know, find his his love, best form, I guess, so far this season. So uh, we, we've got first a a stat provided courtesy of our good friend Mike Donovan. Uh, the Timbers now are 0-1-56 when trailing by two or more goals after the 60th minute of a game. That one? Well, I mean, we're talking about it. It was last week. So they were, they were previously 0-0-56. Uh, wow. So the 57th try was, uh, was you know, uh, was, was the magic number for the, for the Timbers to pull a result out of, out of that kind of circumstance. Isn't that close to, to the number of... Uh of braces they have without a hat trick isn't it, it, it isn't is i think we're up to in the 50s or 60s no i think okay. santi's was the 53rd uh brace without a hat trick so uh so yeah so maybe we're getting there maybe that's like the magic number for everything and then maybe a, a few braces down the road uh one of them finally becomes this elusive hat the 57th trick. brace will be the one that, that becomes a hat trick put it in the book right now folks <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, coming back from, from that deficit at that point of the game is something unprecedented in MLS Timbers history. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I think there were, there were reasons to believe that could happen. Uh, the, the most notable of which in, the Timbers have some recent experience with this uh, was Nashville's 120 minute effort midweek uh, in a game that they played most or all of their starters in the U.S. Open Cup. Um yeah, so, you know, I mean, Nashville's legs were going to fall off, especially in that humidity at some point in this game. And that very much happened. But that doesn't also sort of invalidate what the Timbers did in in sort of sticking in the game um, and and doing the, the things that they needed to do to level it up. Uh, they were a little bit unlucky not to be level at halftime. I, I think if they had been level at halftime, frankly, you would have really liked the Timbers chances going forward in that game uh, just because the, the, the balance of the game was, was unavoidably going to shift toward the Timbers as the game went on. But, you know, I mean, overall, it's a, it's a huge result. 
Uh, it, I mean, that was a true six pointer. Uh, Nashville is one of the teams that the Timbers are very much chasing to try to get back into the playoff picture. And, and the Timbers, you know, as we discussed last week, still have a mountain to climb. But, you know, even though it's a draw, even though it's only one point for the Timbers, denying those two points to Nashville is important. That's the kind of stuff that every year makes a difference come hashtag decision day. And and so, you know, I mean, I, I think that that result is is a big one for the Timbers. Unfortunate that they, you know, couldn't get all three. But, you know, I mean, Nashville's a good team. It's hard to go to Nashville and win. And so uh, and so I, I, I don't think that's uh, that that's necessarily something to get too down about. Um I agree with you about Nijigoda. I, I think we really sort of have over the last few weeks lived kind of the Yaroslav Nijigoda experience. Um, you know, it, it's funny if you watch the highlights, I think most folks here probably watch the Timbers uh, into the broadcast with Jake Zivin and friends. Um, uh, if you watch the highlights, uh, 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 they are the Nashville broadcast crew. And I think they commented after Nijigoda's goal to equalize in the 60 something minute. They, they were sort of like, man, this guy's been a silent assassin. He hasn't done anything all day. And then in, in the, the, the course of five or six minutes, he draws a penalty and scores a goal to, 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 to make it two, uh, two, uh, take it from two, zero to two, two. And, and I, I think that's, that's kind of the experience and, you know, whether that's worth a DP, I don't think it is. Um, but whether that's worth a DP spot, uh, and, and whether that's what the team needs is, is the question that the Timbers need to answer. And I think they've provided some hints as to what their answer to that question is, but it certainly is helpful and, and it at least makes it a viable question if he's consistently scoring goals. Um, and, and, right, like you know, his, you know, his conversion rate is extremely it's still high. ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah. I, I think it's the best ever with a certain number of games, but the volume isn't there. And, and so th- that's, right. that's, that's really the, the challenge at this point is you're getting the most efficient goal scorer, uh, by uh, conversion percentage, I think in MLS history with him, uh, but it's so few and far between with the goals that like is is that stat deceptive or is is he just kind of a um, a microwave goal scorer? I mean, what what are we what are we thinking there? So somebody I can't remember who this was, and I would like to give credit, but I. I I am unable to at the moment, but somebody a couple of weeks ago put out a tweet about baseball. That was basically like if a player hit like 150 in a season, but every single hit was a home run, would they win MVP? And it would be it would be something ridiculous, like eighty some home runs uh, over the course of of the the number of plate appearances that a player typically gets in a baseball season, a sort of an everyday player gets in a baseball season. Would that player be MVP? I think the answer among sort of the the baseball geeks is basically universally no. That the eighty five percent of at bats uh, out of which you get nothing um, is, is problematic. There are all sorts of follow-up questions you can ask, like what is this player's walk rate, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that, could, that could change the calculation. But if you assume basically it's home run or basically strikeout, unproductive out, um, among the nerds, they would say no. I mean, Nishikota isn't that extreme, but that's kind of the circumstance that you're looking at with Nishikota's, uh, with, with, with Yaro's contributions to the team. It's like, it's it, it's a periodic home run or it's a, big bunch of diddly um again family show uh (laughs) 
Yeah, he either kind of disappears in yes, a bunch of diddly. <laughs> he either disappears into the background or or he scores a goal or or gets a really good chance, you know. And that's that's the thing. I don't, I don't know if it's a, a health thing for him where he can only have these short bursts or or what, but it's it's confounding. He is a lethal finisher. And if he wasn't, he wouldn't be a professional soccer player. Um, he is a lethal finisher. Uh, one of the best in the league. And and there are lots of other criticisms to 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 level uh, against display. We have leveled many of those criticisms, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you also have to give credit where it's due. And that second, that yes. second se- second goal that the Timbers scored, uh, and the one that he scored, that's a phenomenal finish. There was a really small window from that angle that he could fit that into, uh, and and expect to finish. And he basically roofed it from probably ten yards out. Um, uh, on the whole, which is not an easy thing to do. That was a great finish. It was a really good run to fade off the back shoulder of Dax McCarty. Um, and that, I mean, that's not a goal, frankly, that a lot of strikers in MLS are scoring. Um, and, and, and he did, (laughs) uh, and, and we've seen him do some things like that in the past, just not, he's not putting himself in position to do things like that with nearly the frequency, uh, in my view that he needs to, uh, to be, you know sort of a, a a good starting striker in MLS. Right. And and so if they can get something like that from him on a relatively consistent basis, then things are legitimately going to start that he's just turning around. Yeah, exactly. And so um I mean they're two oh and two in in the second half right now and and a big part of that has been for the most part in these short windows and and um specific opportunities he has been good um you know there, there's there been better quality of play from people like claudio bravo who i think has has been excellent this season uh, yeah i agree with your for, piece on that you wrote about that on oregon live and yep. for the oregonian yes thank you for the the plug i was just about to do that uh, <laughs> we, we we love a good plug here on the soccer made in portland podcast uh but yeah just just directing you to all the other uh, wonderful content on OregonLive.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they've um, in general looked a lot better as a team. Uh, and and you look ahead to this Seattle game, you're, you're three points behind them. They have two games in hand um, on the Timbers. They've only played 17. The Timbers have played 19. Um, so, so that gap will obviously be made up eventually and, and, make it more difficult to catch up to them because right now Seattle is seventh at 26 points. Um, overall they're looking at, uh, a total of, or a rather a, t- a full record of eight, seven and two, just two draws all season, uh, for, for the Sounders, which, you know, given the way some of the draws have gone this year, I'm sure Timbers fans would love to have just a, a couple of those, but yes, um, <laughs> yes. No, no, no doubt there. Um, but this is going to be a game that both teams are up for. Uh, Seattle is going to unveil its, its CCL banner um, in, in front of the Timbers, which is very intentional uh, as far as that goes. Um, should be bold a packed move, house up at Lumen field. Very bold move. Um, you know, but there's a recent, uh, article uh, on mls.com where 
Gavin Wilkinson. MLSsoccer.com. MLSsoccer.com. Don't, don't, don't send folks Excuse to the master me. listing service, unless you're trying to get like into the real estate business or something. Yes, MLSsoccer.com. Let me not uh, have the wrong link there for, for, for soccer fans. You, Website's you don't want so the... nice, they named it twice. <laughs> yeah, a big corporation, right? And they, they had, to, had to go like the GoDaddy.com route, basically. Major League Soccer Soccer. Major League Soccer, soccer, but the the interview was with Gavin Wilkinson and and Geo, and um, they basically described the fact that they are pissed off um, and that they um, they see Seattle's success in the CCL uh, and the fact that they've won a couple of cups um, as as this um, place they want to be, but you know they they also see it as a strengthening of the rivalry uh, because they. Despite the way MLS has changed in the last decade and how much more difficult it is now for the Timbers to be the class of MLS, given the just sheer amount of money that teams like LAFC and yeah, New York Red Bulls and Inter Miami and others can just throw around uh, at these these players, um, they they still want to fashion themselves to be the class of MLS um, going forward and to continue to build a legacy in the way that the thorns on, on the NWSL side already have, you know? Um, and, and so how that looks, uh, in the coming years with the lack of spending that's occurred on players and with the, uh, off field challenges that the team has faced, uh, we'll see. I it's, it's the rivalry is still very much alive and very strong and very fun and exciting. And I look forward to the game, but, um, it, it's hard to envision what Portland getting essentially up to Seattle's level looks like in the coming years. It is. Uh, but at the same time, I think one of the reasons the rivalry is what it is, is because the Sounders and the Timbers are, are indisputably two of the top five most successful teams in the last decade in MLS. Oh, uh, and that makes for a really good rivalry. Uh, you know, I think the Sounders, I don't even think there's a whole lot of debate about this. I think the Sounders are the most successful team, uh, in the last decade in, in MLS. Um, and I, I don't think there's any debate that the Timbers are certainly among the top five. I mean, they've made three MLS cups. Um, they've won the Western conference, uh, three times, uh, in, in, in the regular season, they've won an MLS cup. They won the, the, the weird MLS is back thing, which, you know, I think is, is more or less, uh, the, the equivalent of winning something like the U S open cup. Um, and I don't think there are a lot of, I mean, there are not a lot of teams, frankly, that over the course of that period of time can, can put together a resume that, that frankly even comes close to that. Um, and so the, the rivalry is so good because of the fan bases and because of the cities and because of the history and, and all of that, but also because these are two of the most successful teams in MLS over the course of of their time in the league. Um, and, you know, I, I, the Sounders get a lot of credit and they should because they deserve it. Um, two MLS Cups, they've won CCL, they, they bought their way. Sorry, they won uh, a lot of US <laughs> Open Cups. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, 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 they've won a number of US Open. So, you know, I mean, they, they, they've been phenomenal. But the Timbers have a resume to be proud of as well. Uh, and, and look, you know, uh, th- this choice for when to unveil their C- to sort of have their CCL celebration, pretty gutsy by the Sounders, given that Gio Savarese has never really lost a game at CenturyLink slash uh, Lumen Field. 
his only quote unquote loss is when the Timbers won a playoff series there in 2018. Otherwise, it's been wins and draws for uh, Gio Savarese uh, up 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 at uh, Lumen Field, and so uh, I, I I would virtually guarantee that that there is no other team that the Sounders have as poor a home record against at their home on their home field in the last four years, at least that they've played any appreciable number of times there um, than the Timbers. And so this is a pretty gutsy choice by the Sounders to kind of make this their celebration day, given that the Timbers have gone up there and have punked them a number of times in a row. And, and so you know, that's sort of the stage that's set. Uh, now I, I, I think the Timbers would love to once again, rain on that parade uh, uh, of the Sounders having their big reveal uh, and then the Timbers going up and taking a result off them. A result, by the way, that both teams need. The Sounders, for as good as they are, and they're very good, uh, I think they have one of the best rosters, you know, even just looking at this year, they have one of the best rosters in the league, period. Even without Joe Apollo, uh, who's who's out for the season, they have one of the best rosters in the league. Uh, and uh, But they're also struggling a little bit for points. Part of that is because they had to balance CCL early on, and they their form recently has been solid. But, you know, they're right around that 1.5 points per game mark. That is not where the Sounders team has ambitions to finish. Um, Their ambitions are to finish at the top of the West. Their ambitions are to finish at the top of the league, and they're not there right now. Um, So I think that this is a game that that both teams have a ton to play for. And both teams need a result uh, out of that because both teams need to start racking up points to get where they they want and need to be uh, at the end of the season. Uh, So, I I mean, this is unquestionably the highest stakes game of the year so far. And it will at the end of the year be one of the highest stakes regular season games of the year. Um and you know, I think both teams probably feel pretty decent about their form going into it. If the Timbers can can, you know, emulate the result that they had last week at Nashville uh in Seattle, they'll be delighted and that'll be a good result. Denying the Sounders those two points uh, and and taking a point away will be would be a great result for the Timbers. And, you know, we talked about it last week, sort of what good results coming out of this road trip would be. And, and I think it made the point that in some ways, if the Timbers come away with two points and and deny both the Sounders and Nashville the full points from, from their respective games, that might be a better outcome for the Timbers than taking three, but allowing one of them to have the full three. Oh, at least there's an argument to be made. And so if they took took two points out of this tough two-game road trip, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. If they took two points out of this tough two-game two road trip, I think the Timbers should be pretty darn happy. And if they find a way to get four, they should be over the moon. Um, And so, and and that's where we're at. Uh, So this is uh, all to play for. Uh, it's it's going to be a great game. Um, I, I think both teams will be full-blooded in it. It looks like Raul Ruiz Diaz is going to be back for the Sounders. Uh, Ariaga may be back for the Sounders. That is a little bit more questionable. Paolo, of course, is not. Um, but, you know, I mean, and a Sounders team that's been kind of, you know, making it work uh, over the course of the last few weeks because of some injuries, it's going to be closer to a full-strength team, um, as it will be for the for the Timbers. The, the Timbers will be pretty close to full-strength and fully rested now, uh, having the week off. So, you know, I mean, look, if if – if this isn't the kind of game that you want to tune in for, you, you're missing something uh, because this is, I mean, this is the kind of game you want to, you want to watch. This is the kind of game that players want to play in. Uh, and this is the kind of game that you want to win. Um, and, and, and so, you know, tune in folks. 
Exactly. And and these are the kind of games that draw even casuals to to really um tune in and, and be even briefly excited about MLS, you know. Um people that you know that aren't necessarily big soccer fans, uh if they see uh if they're flipping through channels on a Saturday afternoon um in, in the summer and, and they see, oh, the Timbers and Sounders are playing, that's a big deal. And and that's, that's something that pe- people legit outside of these two cities legitimately care about. Um, that's why it's getting a national broadcast. That's uh, right. And and after this game, you know, you're right. The the getting a result out of this, getting a point, would be a win in in my book for for the Timbers. I think they have a chance to to come away with three. Just given the emotions done it of the a lot game, recently. they have done it a lot. And and Geo, as you have noted, uh, has an in- incredible record up there. He always gets the guys up for this game. It, it it's clear he has a reverence for the rivalry, uh, and and that impacts really the team's performance on the field. After this game, uh, they go home. Uh, to to face Vancouver on the 17th, and then another home game on the 23rd against San Jose. That's another pair of home games that reminds me a lot of the previous two that they had, where um, you you feel like you have a legitimate chance to get six points out of those, right? And so yeah, if you totally. do, if you get a point out of this one or three points out of this one, and then you take care of business against those two teams, uh, Vancouver going to be a little tougher, especially since they just beat LAFC uh, and then playing a little better for sure. Um, but San Jose, that's a must win. Um, you know, the Vancouver game, you might be able to get away with a tie, uh, if things get difficult, but ideally this stage in the season, as you've talked about, if you want to play that kind of supporter shield level soccer to, to climb the standings, those are the games you got to win. And that that's what's down the road for the Timbers, uh, after this Seattle match, you know, and even zooming out a little bit more, uh, on that stretch, uh, the, the next five games for the Timbers are all pretty accessible. Uh, as you noted, they've got Vancouver and San Jose at home. Then they go to Minnesota. Um, then they come back at home for two more uh, against Nashville and Dallas, both of whom are are in the playoff picture. But as we've seen, uh, are both the kinds of teams that the Timbers need to be knocking off and need to be taking points from uh, in order to to get where they need to go. Dallas looks like they're fading a little bit. Uh, you know, we talked uh, about the table a couple weeks ago, uh, and noticed and noted that Dallas ha- has has quite a bit of a gap. Um, Dallas is starting to fade, uh, and and they look like the the kind of team that may sort of fall, uh, sort of fall off uh, a really strong first half. Um, you know, uh, I don't think the Timbers should be scared of Nashville in, even in the slightest. Oh. Um, and so you look at that stretch of five games and you say, yeah, that's one where that that's a stretch where the Timbers should be and need to be looking to take a lot of points. Um, not not just a couple of wins, but like they need to be looking to win, you know, to 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 take certainly 10 or more points out of that stretch um, and, and probably emphasizing the or more uh, side of that, because there, there's no game in that stretch that the Timbers shouldn't feel like they can't go get three points out of. Um so yeah, but but you know, I mean that that sort of it, it, all of that is is all well and good, um, but you know, I mean the task, I mean the only way the Timbers and Geo Race has said this a few times, uh, the only way the Timbers are going to get where they need to go is if they're you know taking it one game at a time and maximizing the results uh, out of the game in front of them, uh, and and there's nothing to overlook uh, in 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 this next one coming up. Um, and and the Timbers need to put in are going to need to play very very well 
to get a to get a point. We're going to get three points uh, from the Sounders on on Saturday. Um, and uh, and and that's you know that's the task at hand. Oh, uh, so yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be fun. I only unfortunately get to watch the first half live because I've got to go to a wedding, so I'll have to catch up on the second half later. But um, but yeah, so real yeah, life out get, for me. getting in the way of sports. Yeah, it's come the on. worst. The worst. <laughs> Yeah, what what's worse than than having to go watch people celebrate their love, right? Instead of watching the Portland Timbers <laughs> and the Seattle Sounders, what the hell? <laughs> what the heck? No, I'm very what I'm very heck? excited for the. Wedding. Oh goodness! Oh my gosh! Family I know. show. I, I, I mean, Andrew's just gonna have to bleep that. No, he won't. We've said it before. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, shout out to Andrew Thien, podcast editor for the uh, Oregonian. He is the man. Uh, you can at least give folks like an earmuffs before before you you start. Yes, yeah. If the if the double hockey sticks offend you, then um, you know, beware. I mean, the, the way I envision it is is you know, families like sort of circling around the fire in their in their jammies uh, <laughs> at, at night. You got the, the little kids, the family dog, the parents, you know, all gathering around the fire. They t- they turn on the 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 old radio and, and listen to Soccer Made in Portland. They do. Uh, they got the Bluetooth. So you could at least give them the a little bit of warning before you start before you start you know corrupting the children. Yes, I got to be careful. I'm just imagining like the <laughs> the family that you're talking about. Can we listen to Thacker Made in Portland, Daddy? Like little, little six year old, like 1950s, like children are just sitting around the radio listening to this podcast. That's exactly right. Then mornings, if you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, yeah. Make sure to have your Vegemite or whatever it is that they were eating. <laughs> the thorns are are heading up to Seattle too. Uh, they play a well rain on Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, that game will be broadcast on Twitch. Um, so for folks that are looking for that, uh, NWSL has a, has a Twitch channel that they broadcast their games on. Um, easy access for folks uh, looking to watch that game. But uh, big one as they continue to be for the Thorns, uh, who are still missing a good number of players that are with the U.S. women's national team, with the Canada women's national team. Uh, and other national teams. Um, so, so a lot of contributors still going to be out for that game for Portland, but, um, and the rain and the rain, the, that was what I was going to say is the rain are dealing with, with that as well. Uh, they, they brought Tobin Heath in, which is exciting, uh, for, for that group. But, um, by that same token, they're still missing so many key players. Uh, so it's one of those toss-up games, which is a lot like the <clears throat> game that they played against Angel City, uh, down 1-0 early uh, due to a, a penalty that uh, Rian Wilkinson and company didn't really agree with that, um, but you're still in that situation um, early on. Then they play the literal entire game, 90-plus minutes later, 90-plus uh, 6, I believe, was the, the yep. moment in time in which they... Um, came back and scored the equalizer madison pogarch uh put one in to to yasmin ryan uh who just a perfect header i mean just yeah. like perfect exactly where team. you need to put a perfect i mean even more perfect of a cross let's let's not mince words there but but the header was great too um it's always cool to hear hear announcers yell ryan you know when when cool things happen uh, makes me feel like i i <laughs> have any ath- now? Yeah, yeah no that's my ringtone now um <laughs> makes me feel like i have 
some level of athletic talent. But um, Yasmeen Ryan does actually have it, and she did a great job. I think that when she stepped in, uh, either in garbage time for the Thorns this season or by necessity, she's been good. I think she's somebody that's a depth piece that um, in the future – uh, when the Thorns eventually do say goodbye to Christine Sinclair, when at whatever year that is, uh, she is somebody that I feel like could step into a reserve role and and be solid for them behind the likes of Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver and others. Um, but good result for the Thorns. I, I think that any points you can get out of this stretch is crucial. Um, getting one there against an Angel City team that uh, is feisty this season, despite being an expansion side, uh, is really good. And, you know, you're hoping for something similar, one or three points against the rain. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> we sort of talked about the first minutes of the game and the last minute of the game. And and frankly, there wasn't a lot to see in between, uh, which, I mean, just given the reality of, of the rosters available to these teams, it's going to kind of be how it goes. Like there are no style points right now. This month is not about style points for any team in NWSL. Everybody is missing multiple key players. Everybody is, is, is sort of reaching deep into their depth. And although angel city didn't have to reach quite as deep into their depth as say the thorns or the rain do, they also just don't have as much depth as the thorns of the rain because they're an expansion team. Oh, um, and so everybody's kind of in a similar sort of position. If you have depth, you're you're needing to use it. And and so there are no style points. There are only real points uh, in in this last game against Angel City and these next couple um, against uh, against the Rain and against Gotham. And so credit to the Thorns for for finding a way to to get a point out of that Angel City game. I think you know I, they they would have felt like and they would have liked to get three. But it's a, it's a similar kind of story to the Timbers visit to Nashville that we were just talking about. Where, you know, you get the, both the value of getting a point out of that game, which is better than zero. It's exactly one point better than zero. Uh, but you also deny Angel City, a, a team with whom the, the Thorns are still competitive in the table. Uh, two really critical points for them because at, at home they're going to be wanting that. And so I, I think you can feel very good about that. Not just not just in, in the way it happened, which was spectacular and, and exciting and, and, and all of those things. But getting that that point from that game is solid, and I think it's a similar sort of thing uh, up against the rain, where if the Thorns are able to take a couple points off the rain uh, and and get and take one for themselves uh, out of Seattle this weekend, I think they'll feel pretty good about it. Um, especially if then they can they can go back and 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 take all three against Gotham to sort of finish out this stretch. Uh, in which in which they're so depleted. I mean, if they take five points from those three games uh, in this stretch. The thorns should be over the moon. That is a that is a phenomenal outcome, um, and so you know, I mean, the, the, this weekend is is, a, is an opportunity. I think it's a it's a game that the thorns should feel like they're going into with every opportunity to come away with three, given given the challenges that the rain are facing as well. Um, and look, you know, I mean, it, it's going to be defined by moments, and that's how it was against Angel City, and we talked. I think it was last week and you shouted out Yasmin Ryan as one of the people who players who you'd like to, to, to see and thought had an opportunity to step up and make an impact um, in during this period. And, and she did <laughs> uh, Madison Pograch, who I think has had some struggles uh, at times earlier or earlier in the season, found a moment to make an impact. And, and when you're in that spot, when you're not a regular starter, uh, but you feel like you're, you, you, you can sort of carve out both a role within the team and a career within the league, that's, that's huge. That's critical to find those moments where you can make an impact. And they did. Um, 
and and it, during a period in which sort of all bets are off uh in terms of kind of how the 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 style of play and, and and those kinds of things um that's that's really what you talk about uh when you're when you're analyzing a game that's what you talk about when you're setting up a game uh and 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 you know i mean when you're looking for performances and so full credit to them uh for helping to to get that done um and 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 to get that point and that's what they need and that's what they need from from those players and more uh going forward in these next couple right and you look ahead to their upcoming schedule um you know they play the rain on sunday and then uh, six days later return home to play gotham fc who also uh, are missing a number of international players um not necessarily from the u.s but but a lot of them from from various other uh, regions of the world uh, who are who are competing in all these international tournaments, and and so that will probably be the final one that you have to worry about having uh, some folks missing, uh, because after that you've got 13 days off uh, prior to racing Louisville FC uh, on the 29th of July. Uh, then is a very very big stretch for this Thorns team. I mean, we're talking Huge. about a month of August where they they play North Carolina Courage at home uh, on August 5th. Uh, they go on the road to the Washington Spirit, who are always a, a top-level club and the reigning champs uh, on the 10th. And then the 17th is the opening match of the Women's International Champions Cup against Monterey, which is a big um, moment for the club on an international stage. You'd expect the Thorns to be able to beat Monterey in that game um, and, and then move on to face either Chelsea or Lyon in the championship match. Um, facing Lyon would have obviously a lot of emotions. You got Lindsey Horan on the other side. Uh, and, and that's a team that, um, has found success in plenty of other international tournaments. Uh, and, and I think it's so fun, uh, for fans of, of the game to be able to see this level of a tournament happen in Portland, you know, what better American city to host something like this, um, than one that, supports the women's game in larger numbers than any other in Portland. And, and I think um, it should be a really fun atmosphere for those games. Uh, and then you wrap up the, the month of August uh, with the North Carolina courage on the road, the 24th. And then on the 27th, you host San Diego wave FC Alex Morgan's squad, which is still uh, despite everything sitting at the top of the table. So, I mean, to sort of recap that, the Thorns have five or six games in August, all of which have, you know, pretty meaningful stakes uh, uh, attached to them. Uh, I agree that I think ICC this year is important, and and in part because it seems like there's growing international disrespect for NWSL. Uh, so, you know, what was it? Uh, ESPN recently released their list of the top 50 uh, women's soccer players in the world. Um that had, I think the first NWSL player was like 40th or something like that. Um, there is growing disrespect for NWSL uh, uh, around the world. I think it, that is, uh, I, I think that is not well-founded. I think NWSL is very clearly one of the best and certainly the deepest league uh, in the world. Um, and, and so having these opportunities to go up against a, a, a club like Leon, um, is uh, are critical, uh, you know. Even if they're, you know, in things like the ICC, which on the men's side is is not an important tournament, um, 
I, I think it, it, on, on the women's side where, where, you know, there is, uh, there is sort of l- less of an established kind of pecking order of leagues, um, and assessment of leagues, uh, uh across the world. I think it, this is an important moment. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 and I think there are signs of, of a growing disrespect for NWSL, uh, among sort of international kind of soccer punditry. Uh, and so I, you know, that's, that's going to be important. There are going to be eyes on those games. Um, and also Lindsay Horan, uh, is, is coming back to Portland, hopefully not for the last time, uh, as, as a, uh, you know, a Lindsay Horan Stan. Uh, I very much would like to see her back in a Thorns uniform. And it looks like, and it seems like that's at least a possibility, uh, at some point in the future. Um, but, uh, but you know, uh, th- those are going to be big games, uh, for the Thorns. I think, I, I think sort of in the broader pro- project of building the game, um, it's, it's important for NWSL to remain respected and viewed as one of the top leagues in the world. Um, and it's important that, uh, that sort of the, the broader international soccer community doesn't just sort of classify NWSL as a second tier league. I mean, really simply, if we want to be honest about this, simply because the American league on the men's side is a second tier league. Uh, and it feels like that, frankly, that's a bit of, of what's going on. Yeah, that that bias can definitely exist, and and I I think it's very unfair to the women of the NWSL to to lump them in uh, with MLS in that way because it's such a massive gap. It's I mean the the talent alone that exists in NWSL. Um, you're talking about the some of the top players in the world. Period. Uh, the Messi's and Ronaldo's of the women's game exist largely in NWSL. So I to even you know have that bias to to lump NWSL in with MLS is is foolhardy to me. I I just I think it's it's unfair entirely. But it's, I mean it, it it's there. <laughs> like I yeah. mean we've seen signs that 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 it's there. And that's not to say there aren't great players and great clubs in Europe. There absolutely are. I mean, watch some of those games. They're good games. They're good yeah. players. And, and, and two of and them are it. coming here for, for the right. ICC, you know, Chelsea right. and, and Lyon are, are two elite clubs. You look at what Barcelona has done. I mean, selling out camp new for, it's for cool. a women's game is amazing, you know? So, so there are incredible clubs overseas for sure. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, this is, uh, it, it is, I, I do not come at this from sort of a place of American exceptionalism, uh, by any means, because there are really good players and really, really good clubs in Europe. And you can see that even manifesting on, on the international scene. Um, uh, it, it's not the case that there are only sort of a couple strong women's national teams anymore. There are a number, um, uh, and, and that's great. That is awesome. And a lot of them have players who are playing club ball in Europe. Um, uh, but these international competitions, and I will note that the Thorns, albeit as hosts, won the ICC last year. <laughs> um, but these kinds of international competitions, of which I hope there is broader thinking about expanding and, and formalizing more, are going to be important in terms of sort of just providing the kinds of checkpoints um, that I think American soccer in particular needs to provide in order to sort of 
rebut that creeping bias of of sort of just arranging the quality of women's leagues the way we arrange the quality of men's leagues, notwithstanding the merits of the various women's leagues. Definitely. And, and you know, the, the Washington spirit dropped out of this tournament, uh, leaving room for Monterey to fill the void. Um, so, so that doesn't necessarily help the, the image, um, but there was good reason for that. I mean, they had played a ton of games and this stretch, um, would have, would have been pretty taxing for, for them. That was the, um, the reason given, uh, but, but I agree with you as far as expansion of something like this. I think that if you had eight, 12, even 16 teams, uh, that might be a stretch, but even, even eight or 12, um, you're able to showcase the women's game from all corners of the globe all these elite clubs um from from the different continents that are coming in to to a singular place and competing i think that would be great and speaking of a league that very much sort of wants to insert itself in that international sort of pecking order liga emekis femenil is is growing um and and so having monterey come to uh to 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 play in in the icc i suspect although we don't have a lot of data, frankly, sort of point to point data points on this. I suspect uh, Liga MX is a little bit behind uh, where where NWSL is and where some of the European leagues are. But these are the kinds of competitions that they should be in because I mean, when you look at uh, the way the game is growing in Mexico, it's also getting to a, to sort of an inflection point where it could very well take off. Um, and, and so I, I, you know, I, it's unfortunate in some ways that the spirit aren't going to be in the tournament, but making way for somebody like Monterey, I think is, is a pretty exciting, uh, thing for the growth of the game in, in North America more broadly. Um, and it would be great if, uh, if Liga MX Femenil really takes off, uh, and, and becomes a, a league that can rival NWSL and becomes a league uh, that can rival uh, the, the the leagues over in Europe. I, I I think that would be that would be excellent. And they and in order to do that, they need to be in these kinds of t- these kinds of tournaments. So I'm I'm frankly I'm uh, I'm glad <laughs> uh, that it's going to be Monterey because I, I I think that's that that's an intriguing uh, and exciting uh, addition to the tournament. Yeah, no, it's exciting to have four teams from four different countries to just to to come in and provide the international flair. You've you've got. England, France, Mexico, and the United States, all, all um, the top, essentially the top club from each of those countries um, competing in, in this. You, you know, Spirit fans would, would raise a hand and be like, hey, we, we won the thing last year. We beat, we beat the Thorns, uh, but... They had an opportunity. They had an opportunity. And, and the Thorns would have been in it regardless as well, but... You the know, Shield winners, yeah. As, as the winners uh, of the Shield and as, as the defending champions of this tournament. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be an excellent showcase. I look forward to to that game. The uh, kickoff time is not quite set yet on the on August seventeenth uh, for the opener against Monterey, but keep an eye out for that as as the weeks continue to progress. Um, but that will wrap it up for us here on Soccer Made in Portland uh, for Chris Reifer. I'm Ryan Clark. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Made in PDX. Uh, thanks again for joining us, y'all. 